I, I think LLCs are a great tool to maintain your privacy. And, and when you're investing alongside people you don't know, I, I don't I don't want to be associated with some people. I mean, I, you, you could think of cases where, you, you know, now it gets out in the public. It's like, oh, my God, you know, you you invested with Jeffrey Epstein, right? He, he, he could be an investor. He could be a limited partner in it's that true. deal. Right. And, and, and I, I had nothing to do with him. I don't know him. I never met him. But now you're on a list somewhere with Jonathan Finiak and Jeffrey Epstein. We're co-investors in this deal. And to the world, that sounds like we're we're buddies and we're hanging out at the club or something. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Thank you for tuning in. This is part two of our interview with Jonathan Finiak. We're picking it back up, talking about LLCs, what they offer for you, what they offer for passive investors and syndications. We talk about that today as well. And we get into some pretty specific details that I know many of you out there are wondering. I know I was wondering, and you know, these questions come up on real estate investing forums all the time. So I think there will be some lessons in here that you may enjoy. If you're new to the show and you're not yet subscribed, take a quick second, go to your favorite podcasting app, look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, give us a subscribe, and that way you will catch all the future episodes of the Passive Wealth Strategy Show straight to your mobile device. If you are new to the show and you enjoy it and you're an Apple user, please take 30 seconds, go to the Apple Podcast app, look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, give us a rating and review. It's very much appreciated. It helps improve our ranking in the Apple ecosystem. It helps other people learn about the show. Five stars if you don't mind. And it helps me just feel good about what we're doing out there, being a little, uh, I get a little bit out of that too. So it's much appreciated. If you're new to the show, I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor, I'm a real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. I learned a lot today with Jonathan. I learned a lot in part one as well. If you haven't heard that, go back and listen to part one with Jonathan. Like I said, today we talk more about LLCs. We talk more about what LLCs can offer to passive syndication investors, particularly because that question comes up pretty frequently and even more about LLCs. So without any further ado, here we go with Jonathan Finiak. I also wanted to ask top mistakes that people make, whether it's regarding LLCs, whether it's forming them, maintaining them, I don't know, not talking to you guys soon enough in the process. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But like the biggest mistakes that you see people making is real estate investors when they're, you know, dealing with their LLCs. You know, it, it, it's actually an internal risk is the bigger risk that I see. It's not it's it's not the catastrophic lawsuit. It's that there were partners who wind up not agreeing and and they didn't have a good operating agreement in place. So it, it it's not me and my spouse who own the property, but it's me and a guy I work with. And in that case, what happens if someone's having financial trouble and needs out of the partnership? What happens if they get a divorce? Who has the authority to do what within the limited liability company? I had, I had one, one client and had a partnership with someone and the partner, without telling him, went out and signed a contract to purchase a piece of property. And it would and it would require a significant contribution, additional contribution to the to the LLC. Mm. And they the LLC was on the hook for that contract. And he did not want to move forward with this purchase. And, and so something I build into uh, the agreements for my clients is let's set a dollar limit. You know, five thousand dollar contract, go for it. Right. You're hiring a plumber, you're hiring a landscaper, you're doing some maintenance on the house. Either of us can do that. 
anything above a certain dollar amount, we need to have something hard coded into our operating agreement that says we need to get approval. And, and, and it's not so much the, you know, the idea that you're creating something that's, you know, enforceable. Yeah, it, it, it will be if it comes down to that and say you went outside your authority and therefore I can make a claim against you, my partner. But just that you, you have the expectations, what you think and what I think is clearly laid out in this agreement. And you can have that discussion early on. So it, it's, a, it's a, a powerful tool to make sure that there's agreement between the partners. And you want to do it very early in the process before there's a problem. You know, I, I view it like a prenuptial agreement where, you know, okay, let's let's talk about this now before we enter into this marriage contract to understand what I'm bringing to the relationship, what you're bringing to the relationship. And then if things don't go wrong, how it's going to be divided up. That's what the operating agreement will will do for you and also protect you from you can protect you from from third parties and sort of interlopers and 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 so on. But but not having a, a solid operating agreement for partnerships where it's not you know, if it's a husband and wife, okay, get your standard form. We 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 give all of our clients a, a really high quality operating agreement when they they sign up uh, for an LLC with us, and we then offer customization of those agreements beyond that for people who have particular needs. So. Okay. Now, one of the big uh, questions that comes up, especially for for newer real estate investors, is when do I need to form an LLC? You know, if I'm if I haven't bought a rental property yet or you know, I, I haven't acquired anything. I'm not making offers. You know, do I need to form it now so that I have it in place and, you know, so on and I can go, you know, acquire property or can I wait till I have something under contract or what's your, your opinion in that case? My opinion is, is number one, to just make sure you have the right lender. Uh, some lenders are not going to let you purchase in an LLC. And that's a decision many individuals come to me and like, well, you know, I formed this LLC and now my lender says it needs to be in my personal name, but then I can transfer afterwards. Talk to your lender, okay? Find out the best type of loan. Understand that if you purchase in your personal name and then are transferring, you're not going to have the privacy. You will have the, the limited liability protection so long as you're observing everything else, but you won't have the privacy because of that chain of title issue. As long as your lender is able to allow you or will allow you to close in an LLC, I mean, we form LLCs in most cases less than 24 hours. So it doesn't take long to do. You would just tell the lender, you know, I'm going to be purchasing or the, or the seller, I'm going to be purchasing this in an LLC that will be formed as we get closer to closing, right? Once you've gone through your due diligence, spin up a new LLC, get it done, and then you provide that information to the title company and the lender and the seller, and it'll be no problem. Hmm. I wouldn't okay. form it in advance though. Have you ever, and you mentioned about uh, lender and then transferring, you know, the title from yourself to the LLC. And that's, a, that's another one that comes up, but also with the asterisk of the, you know, due on sale clause yeah. where, you know, maybe the lender is going to call the note. Now I know, you know, you're not a lender, but have you ever seen that happen where somebody you know, buys a property, transfers it to their LLC, and then their lender calls up and says, we want all that money. Yeah. So I, I have heard so certain lenders that are holding the loans on their own books, and it, it tends to be credit unions. They, they are doing a, a fairly consistently doing a title, you know, review to find out, make sure the title hasn't been, uh, there's no defect in the title that's occurred over time. There's additional liens or something else. For the majority of loans, though, that are going to be uh, sort of packaged up and put into some sort of collateralized mortgage obligation or debt obligation, 
once they go from the the financer, you know, from Wells Fargo, within a couple of months, those properties are going to be rolled into a CMO. And I, in, in my experience, no one's looking to see that the title is there, still there because the transfer of title is not going to do anything to the mortgage. The ad- additional, I'm sorry, the, the individual who you know, sign the promissory note and is on the mortgage is still going to be on the mortgage. That's not changed in any way. And the property would be transferred subject to the mortgage. Now, the, the let, let's say, though, that it did, somebody did come to you and they said, well, this property was transferred due on sale clause is triggered. It, it's not like they ripped the property out from under you that day. They give you a cure period, right? And so you could reverse it spin it out of your LLC, move it back into your own name and say, no harm, no foul. I didn't realize that that this was going to be a problem for you. If they say, no, we're, we're going to foreclose or we're going to call the mortgage. Well, you go before a judge and you say, judge, I, I, I didn't understand. I didn't know. The property is now back in not my name and I promise I won't do it again. Judges are, as, as much as we, we hear, they're not, they're very reasonable people, right? You weren't intending to defraud the lender or anything else, trying to build some, pri- uh, limit your liability in some way. If that fails, well, you have to go get a new loan and you'll go to a lender who's willing to lend into an LLC and you'll refinance the mortgage. Assuming your personal situation hasn't changed where now you no longer qualify or the property value was dropped or there's some other thing that's going on, there's sort of a lot of exit ramps off of this, I'm losing the property because of a due on sale clause. Those those, um, particular types of lenders though, I I would be cautious of, which are the, the ones who are keeping it on their books and are doing consistent monitoring of the title. Yeah. It, 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 it's less likely or it's more likely it's going to be a problem in those cases where you would get, you know, stern warning to not do that again and have to sort of reverse the transaction. I guess, is there any way to know who you're, whether they're going to sell your loan off or not? Well, if, if, if you get the servicing, you know, if you, you close on these mortgages and then you get a servicing letter, your loan is now being serviced by XYZ company. That means it was sold off, mm-hmm. right? And they and, and and they packaged it up. The servicer is not going to be uh, t- making that kind of due diligence. But for, from what I've seen, the uh, the credit unions actually have like a title monitoring service that they have signed up for in some cases, where they're alerted when there's a change in the in the title. Wow! You could talk to your lender. You know, there's there's some who say, mm-hmm. uh, or, or there, there's there's that old saying. It's like, do I ask for permission or for or beg right. for forgiveness? Exactly. And uh, you can take either of those approaches, <laughs> you can ask for permission and they say no, and then you could do it anyway, or you could, you know, if, if you do it and then they, and for some reason, uh, wag their finger at you, you could re- reverse it. And I, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen a very aggressive lender, but most, in most cases, lenders don't care as long as they're still getting paid, keep yeah. making the mortgage payments. If, if, if you're defaulting, well then, yeah, there's going to be a problem and there's going to be a problem because of so many different areas. And maybe this is an additional reason that they call the loan when they maybe would be able to, you know, in, institute foreclosure proceedings because you're an individual and so on and so forth. But now there's there could be re- repercussions if you're in default. But if you're in default, you know, talk to a different attorney. I'm, I'm not that guy. <laughs> but if the money's still coming in, then they're probably not looking anyway. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's been our experience. You never know, but that's been yeah. our experience. So it's uh, hard to predict the future. Now, regarding this, the breaking the privacy or when the when the privacy is dissolved say somebody serves uh your wyoming llc with you know papers for a lawsuit how how do you maintain that privacy man i guess you need to retain an attorney to act on your behalf or i don't know i'm just wondering the mechanics of of keeping that privacy and not i don't know breaking it 
by sending you know somebody a letter with your name on it. We so 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 we're a registered agent, but we're also a law firm in Wyoming. And you know, as a registered agent, we have a responsibility to deliver to the the owner of the LLC the the service the the complaint. And that that's much different than something where they're looking to find out who the members of the LLC are. If they're making a discovery request, you know, assuming they're making it on the LLC itself, we're going to forward that on to you. And then you're going to work with your, your counsel to say, do we need to disclose this? Do we need to disclose this information? If, if we are subpoenaed, and depends on the form in which it comes, so I, I won't get into the details there. We're going to give you an opportunity to object to the subpoena and our relationship with you is going to be protected by attorney-client privilege. It's a weak attorney-client privilege because all we've done is formed your LLC for you, but it's nonetheless attorney-client privilege. And, and with a lot of these things, I, I view it as we're setting up hurdles for any plaintiff's attorney. These The the, the layer cake, and, and now I'm, I'm using <laughs> like another analogy, hurdles that the plaintiff's going to need to get over to get to the real pot of money, to the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And how difficult can you make it for them? Well, this is another way to make it difficult for them. I actually had a an attorney from California had formed an LLC for a client there. Then he used us to form an LLC for the client in Wyoming. And he had a plaintiff in California who was just really aggressive. And so trying to find out all this information about the formation of the LLC in California and he objected on attorney-client privilege, privilege grounds. And it was like months where, you know, tr- making that objection in court is a, is a big deal. And the courts are really reluctant to allow that to go forward. Really? Yeah. And and and, and, and then in speaking uh, to the attorney, he, call, he called me up and he's like, well, you know, what, what information do you actually have about the company there in Wyoming? So we're like, like nothing really. We have a name that it sounds like they already know, but they thought there was this was like this treasure trove of documents. And, and it wound up being this attorney on the other side wasted months trying to pierce or, or, or break attorney client privilege in California. And if they actually broke it, they would get to us, have to fight us on attorney client privilege grounds. And then there would be nothing there. It would be an empty hole. <laughs> and, 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 and so, you know, if, if you think you, you've got, yes, if, if you, if someone was harmed because of your property, they, they have a right to compensation, right? And, and, and you've got, I, the, the first thing I said, I, I used to sell insurance, but the first thing is have a great insurance policy, right? That's going to get rid of 95% of the claims. And uh, uh, unless it's a totally terrible injuries that someone suffered or a really aggressive plaintiff's attorney, it's going to stop there. That's a win. If they need, if they want to or need to go beyond that, you have all these other fail safes that are kicking in, and 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 ultimately, you never know what a court's going to do. But I, I think we're at the you know that way out on the tail of probability that something's going to get to the point where your personal checking account now has a an attachment order against it. Right, mm-hmm. that that's where we want to be. Is that it, it? It doesn't get to you. Isolate that risk in that LLC with all these other structures. Nice. Okay. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up syndication investing, another big topic that is discussed on Bigger Pockets and in Facebook forums for passive real estate investors is, okay, I'm going to passively invest in a syndication. The syndication, the property itself is going to be held in its own LLC. And I mm-hmm. myself am looking at investing in that LLC, either in my own name or in the name of an LLC that I you know own or whatever. 
What are your thoughts about that? Is it, what's the potential, you know, upside of doing that? Does it make sense? Who does it make sense for? Let's dive into it. I, I think LLCs are a great tool to maintain your privacy. And, and when you're investing alongside people you don't know, I, I don't, I don't want to be associated with some people. I mean, I, you, you could think of cases where, you, you know, now it gets out in the public. It's like, oh my God, you know, you, you invested with Jeffrey Epstein, right? He, he, he could be an investor. He could be a limited partner in it's that true. deal, right? And, and, and I, I had nothing to do with him. I don't know him. I never met him. But now you're on a list somewhere with Jonathan Finiak and Jeffrey Epstein were co-investors in this deal and to the world, that sounds like we're we're buddies and we're hanging out at the club or something, right? I'm and, glad and you so, put your name next to his. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm not going to tailor your good to know. Right. I, and I've never invested with Jeffrey Epstein, but I, I actually had a client who was an investor in, in Bernie Madoff uh, when, back when I was a financial advisor. And his name came up on a list of Bernie Madoff investors. And people would ask him right, when he was in the news and they're, oh my God, I can't believe you got taken by by Bernie Madoff. And, and people will think something about you because of that. Why, why do that to yourself? Invest anonymously through an LLC. You're on the other side of the LLC, right? And so you're going to have to do all the things, whether they're looking for accredited investors or whatever else they're doing. It's just going to be you, but you're saying, this is the way I'm investing. I'm going to invest in this LLC through the LLC. For a very small amount of money, you're getting a level of privacy. And I'm assuming you're investing a significant amount in these deals you know, spend the couple of hundred bucks a year on this asset protection and privacy. Don't give information out to the internet that can be used against you. And, and maybe for something you had nothing to do with, right? I'm, I'm willing to take responsibility for the things I did, but I don't want to take responsibility for things that I was tangentially three steps removed associated with. Very reasonable. I certainly, uh, I, I certainly support that, uh, that sentiment. Great. And like I said, that question comes up with uh, a good amount of frequency. And I think we kind of got to the bottom of it here. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Jonathan, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Oh, come on. That was my one. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a law degree. I've got an MBA. I've got certificates. I've got all sorts of stuff. All right. You know, investing investing in myself and trusting myself has been the, the best thing I've done. You know, my wife and I were just talking today about, you know, what what makes us happy and and there has not been you know anything related to money that has made us happy it's been in an investment in ourselves in in one way or another investment in our relationships investments in our family investments in our education or these other things and i know you're focused on retirement and how to get there and i think that is amazingly uh, a, a fantastic goal but you need to be happy when you get there because if you're not happy what what are you doing it for there's plenty of miserable rich people and miserable poor people. I'd rather be a happy one of either. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You can't can't live any live any of those years twice, and uh, you might as well do your best to uh, enjoy them along the way. So we had the best investment. Now we go to the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? So I I, I built I, I built a a beautiful house in New Jersey at close to the top of the market. And it, 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 went, it went horrible. I mean, it went from, you know, what was it, about a 35% loss in a very short period of time 
And, you know, because of a job situation, I, I had to sell, I was a forced seller and it was, it just wound up being, it was terrible. It was terrible. And so I, I had a lot of eggs in one basket at that point. Uh, what, what I've learned, what I've learned fr- from that incident was to don't, don't put all your eggs in one basket. I, I, I think there is a, a risk and definitely being a higher risk investor, but spread the risk around. Mm, yeah. Like that. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? You got to listen to others. You got you got to listen to other people, listen to podcasts. This one's great. Uh, but also, you know, get a great a CPA, great, get a great financial advisor, get a great attorney, people you trust and can work with that are easy to work with. Talk to individuals who have had success doing what you want to do pick their brains. They love to talk about their success uh, and all the, you know, high net worth and very successful people I've worked with over the years. They all love to tell you how they did it. And they love to tell you about your, your failure, their failures too. They'll tell you about the best and make sure you ask the same questions that Taylor did. What's the worst? Because they're going to tell you as well. Don't make this mistake. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it so much. All these lessons today and you stuck with us for a while for a number of my questions. If folks want to reach out to you, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn about your business or any of that great stuff, where can they find you? So uh, go to Wyoming LLC attorney or Colorado LLC attorney, and then we can get you everything from there. There's ways to contact us, contact links and uh, phone numbers at the bottom there. And if you need consultations on privacy or asset protection, we we offer them to our clients at, at really reasonable prices and half hour chunks, which is really tough to get out there. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts. It's very much appreciated and it helps other people learn about the show. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we will talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.